News Now. Hello, welcome to Nerd News Now. Thanks to Kyle for the counting in. Um, it's hard to count inside my head uh, a lot of times. So I got Kyle, I got Miss Jen, I got Brainy. Uh, we're in June, it's super hot in Texas. Uh, and Brainy, how's it out there? How's the weather out there? Oh, no, it seems like 74 degrees in here. I couldn't care less what it is outside. My car was cool. My office was cool. Uh, our store is not cool because our air conditioning in the store has been broken. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you guys, are you guys a part of the drought states or no, Brainy? California is always a drought state. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, right. Except for when it's a mudslide state? Uh, yeah, or when it's a fire state. Well, I guess that is a drought state as well. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, fire state is just drought on on hard mode. Yeah, exactly. How's the weather like up, up where you are, Kyle? Tornado-y. Yeah? Are you dodging them so far? Uh... uh I don't attempt to, but so far they've missed me. That's good. Does that explain where his hat went? I'm not used to seeing him without his hat. This is true. That I is... could get one. No. <laughs> I have a stash just like right there. Um, no, uh, we're in this weird part of the year where it's called uh, where death is the weather. It's either really hot, really cold, or tornadoes. And when I say that, it's because heat wave comes in, high pressure system, cold wave comes in, low pressure system, tornadoes. Mm-hmm. When they hit, that's what causes a tornado or bow echo winds or straight line winds. Like, there's all kinds of stuff that can happen that are super fun here that really you only understand if you live in a tornado or a hurricane city because they're basically the same. We, tornadoes we- are just land hurricanes. We do, but I don't know what a bow echo is. What in the world is that? The bow echo is the, so it's when they don't quite form, but there starts to be some rotation. So the the cloud and the the front gets a real big curve in it and creates straight-lined winds. I I thought the tornado happened when Andre the Giant grabbed Hulk Hogan by the legs and started spinning him around. Isn't that what created all the tornadoes? No. No, you're thinking of you're thinking about how earthquakes created. You're thinking about how earthquakes were created when Hulk Hogan body slammed Andre in WrestleMania three. Yes, like everything yeah, that, you do after that, that was created. Oh, I thought they yes. that they created all the weather though. The, the tornadoes were because he was spinning him around. Earthquakes are when Hulk Hogan body slams uh, Andre. Yeah, um, and hurricanes are just when uh, you know Hulk Hogan opens his mouth, starts speaking, and just crap comes out of it. Right. <laughs> if you live um, in Florida, you said you used to live in Florida, or he's in. Florida? No, if you live in Florida, that's what happens. Oh, sure, yeah, but they have their own weather perils there. I think Texas qualifies as a hurricane city, right, Miss? I think so. Oh, yeah, I think we've had a couple. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I so, think we're like, how many tropical storms have been named so far? Three? Are we on four or five already? Yeah. I don't know. Nope. I think we went out of like letters. We went around the alphabet a couple times. <laughs> yeah, they they went through like the Greek letters last time and had to re had to reset. So mm-hmm. probably going to be a long season again. Um, but so far so good. It's just they want us to turn our air conditioner off all the time, and I don't want to. Um, yeah, that's one of the problems with having a smart um, thermostat. And, you know, we, we register for the, the DWP program, and every day they, they take control of it and turn it up. I'm like, why the heck is it so hot in my house? Now, yeah. did, you, did you give them the ability to do that, or was that something that was on the forms that you didn't realize at the time that you were signing away? Um, well, I mean, we, we can opt out of it. It, it is an opt-in where they'll give us a rebate, um, uh, I think it's every three months or something like that, um, Basically, you know, we can we can opt out of it. And we can always turn the thermostat to what we want if if it gets too uncomfortable. So it's not like they're doing it. Um, they're not forcing us into it, but they are changing it. I know there's, or at least Nest itself is changing it. 
Um, it's, you know, it's taking it up, I think, what, 78, 79 degrees during the day. Which, of course, is not I think that's too hot. I don't know. I'm just uncomfortable like that, though. Um, you know, I, we, if it gets above 70, I'm going, man, it's warm in here. <laughs> yeah, I, me too. Yeah, we here in Southern California, anything above 76 is too hot. Anything below 72 is too cold. <laughs> All right, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this goes. I'm just, I'm worried because it's only June. And they're already on us in Texas to, you know, really monitor that, turn it off during the day. And it's like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen when August gets here. Uh, summer storms? <laughs> no, just heat. I mean, probably storms too. I mean, the the hurricane the hurricanes will alleviate the heat like every three weeks or so. <laughs> it's gonna be a nightmare. We'll see. Absolutely. Y'all should move to the north. I'm just saying. You just mentioned like 18 things that go wrong at any day. You call it like the summer. Yeah, but we can set our air conditioners <laughs> at 62, and ain't nobody gonna say a word. Also, we have water <laughs> and uh, like all the stuff <laughs> that you guys have problems with. Is it worth the trade off for tornadoes? No, I, I like and having my no, I like keeping my roof on the on my house. Thank you. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, there was a tornado a couple years ago that came through, and the joke was that it did ten thousand dollars worth of repairs. So, you know, um. Not all bad. Um, sure. But no, it's, you know, we get snow, we get tornadoes, we get mayflies. Ugh. Oh. You get locusts? You have locusts? Uh, I've not seen any. I'm told they're around. I, I might I know, be. I know, I know that the Cincinnati Dayton area, which is like four hours south of here, does. So. I might be one of the few people who prefers the hot over the cold weather. I'll take uh, a little bit of a heat over snow. I do you can too. always put on more clothes, but once you're naked and hot, you're kind of stuck. <laughs> you can always put on more clothes if you're cold. So what what we figured out here in Houston is like uh, once you are sweaty, it kind of acts as a natural air conditioner for you. So it doesn't matter whether you have no clothes on or whatever. You just get nice and wet no matter what. That's uh, I think I think that's a that's going into shock, leading to heat stroke. <laughs> I I think I think before February here, Miss Jen, that most Texans would have said they preferred the cold to the heat, but now I think we're back to the heat over the cold. Right. Seeing, seeing what real cold was actually capable of. Uh, yeah, we're like, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> at least here, but then it's you know all the uh... see. But like I said, that storm you guys had would have been nothing up here. Well, yeah, but like, you would... because you have an infrastructure that would have survived. Right, that's it. what I'm saying. Like <laughs> snow isn't even that bad. It, like it sucks, but it isn't even that bad because we've got giant machinations to take care of it. Yep. Yeah. You know, so it really is. Is do you want to be mildly inconvenienced by essentially living in a slushy? Uh, Four months out of the year, or and then during the summer, occasionally having to like run from cows that fly through the air in tornadoes, like in the movie Twister, or <laughs> be hot and have to turn your air conditioner to like 85 in the summer. I'll take tornadoes and slightly awkward snowstorms. I just want to remind anything above 76 is too hot, anything below 72 is too cold. <laughs> Rainy will buy you a coat. <laughs> I I'm have just, a coat. Oh, it's an option to move to Adelon, and then I'm going there. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know. I, it's the hot tub's too hot here most of the time, but in October the weather's great. So we'll see what happens this year. I do not know what's going to happen. Um, so there's quite a lot of stuff on the docket. Uh, most, the most general stuff though would be, um, you know, streaming, box office. We got one comic book announcement I'm excited about, uh, and uh, 
some other stuff is just you know movies coming out we got um show premieres so we'll just get into it and see which of these things that you guys have heard of uh seen or excited about uh actually let me uh reset though kyle what have you been up to this week this past week uh, what is nothing bob Oh, I've actively done nothing. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I uh, let's see. I moved my record player to the studio. Um, I worked a whole bunch. Uh, I worked a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, then I worked a whole bunch some more. Um, so, man, your boss is mean. Yeah. Did you get any work done? Yes, I did. Um. Then uh, I uh, uh, I worked a whole bunch some more. I made dinner for my family tonight, which was like the th- the only thing I've done that was like fun. Um, should we call uh, that that didn't involve <laughs> eating? I mean, dinner kind of does involve eating, though, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, like the cooking part was the what I mean by fun, like. It's been so like I went and had a nice dinner with a friend of mine on Saturday, but it was drive to dinner, eat dinner, come back to work. Mm-hmm. You know, third Friday I had lunch with some friends, drive to lunch, have lunch, come back to work. You know, whereas I went home today, cooked, ate dinner, then come back to work. It was like an extra activity. What'd you cook though? Oh, uh, sausage and egg uh, quesadillas. Oh, that sounds good. What type of sauce did you use? Uh, Bob Evans. Okay. Is that like is that like smoked or breakfast or what? Bob Evans. <laughs> okay. That's a style now. <laughs> uh, I I went into the fridge. Bob Evans sausage. This will work. <laughs> Didn't read the packaging. No. Why? It was just sausage. It's it, fine. Yeah, Mark asking questions about sausage is like you know. That thing where, you know, the Jeff Foxworthy joke where women always want more information than men are willing to give them, than men have. Okay. So it's, well, it's, the, so the bit <laughs> is, is that uh, he goes to his wife and says, I just got a text, pray for Greg, he was in a bad accident. Well, were his wife and kids with him? I got a text, said, pray for Greg, he was in a bad accident. Well, what hospital is he at? I got a text, said, pray for Greg, he's in a bad accident. Was he responsible? I got a text, said, pray for Greg, he was in a bad accident. <laughs> like, yeah, well, but what the kind thing of sauce was- is it? Right. Can I just put in your but, face? See, you weren't with Greg when he was in the accident, but you were there when you cooked the sausage. So, well, you know, I just only barely, so, only barely. Was a sausage in the car? <laughs> <laughs> right. With Greg. With Greg. <laughs> was that how he got in an accident? <laughs> was he going to the store to pick up some sausage for you? Uh. <laughs> No, that was that was that was really that was really the highlight of my week was the cooking the dinner there and then uh yeah. Now, I, I do have a very important question of you, Kyle. Uh, who the f- is Greg? <laughs> no idea. He was in a bad accident. Jeff Foxworthy got a text. Miss <laughs> Jen, what about you? What have you been up to this past week? Okay, I did two crazy things this last week. Uh one, I uh so my favorite challenge <clears throat> is when I can when I can think of something kind of fun and helpful I can do for a friend and that I can surprise them with. So I did uh, Kyle helped me very much to be able to surprise Garrett Gunn and Dr. Christy Bland with this was this this week. Yep. With a really sick and scary dark web inspired video. Yeah. For, for good boy. And then also, I did a dumb thing last week, which ended up being amazing. Back before I opened my store, I used to, when I was, you know, in between my first store and this one, when the boys were little, I used to kind of like make extra money and like build up stock in anticipation of opening this one by going on eBay and looking up, you know, toy lot and looking for the most expensive thing. And see if there was like, you know, someone's giant collection that they were selling for a price that I thought I could break down and uh, and sell individually. And I decided to look up Toy Lot just for fun the other day while I was sitting behind the counter. It was, I should have known better. 
but um, it ended up being the best thing ever. So I found a storage locker that is local to me, like within 45 minutes, like I can just go drive and get, that is the consolidation of like two or three Toys R Us stores when they closed, they just put them all in this locker. So I was, was so funny because I made them an offer on it because it had been up there since April. And uh, they sent me a message back with a lower offer than I gave them, which is <laughs> the way to expect. And what's so funny is that the thing that they had sold out of the locker was the Toys R Us like shopping carts. There was like five shopping carts in there. Which for some reason meant I got a, an extra $200 off from my low ball offer. Yeah. So I'm super excited. I get a whole bunch of Toys R Us shopping bags. I've been wanting those for since they closed down. I've wanted to be able to like have my customers take Toys R Us shopping bags home. So now I have 120 boxes of them. <laughs> you send a box my way. I will. You want the yellow ones? The white ones? The yellow well, ones. The one. I'll look and see what styles there are. I think the yellow, the white, white ones are the smaller size, and I think they have giant yellow ones and giant turquoise ones. Yeah, I need the giant ones. And well, how yeah. big is this, how big are these storage lockers? Because if you're talking about three different Toys R Us and their their stuff, like how much stuff are we talking? They just consolidated it all into one. But that's still a lot of stuff. Is this like shelving or actual toys or what? Shelving, toys. You know how Toys R Us were also like a baby R Us? So there's a bunch of like pieces of baby furniture still boxed up. For some reason, there's a love seat and two really nice chairs and a rug and other things in there that, and a giant TV. I don't know where if they came from like a back room or something. But they look really nice. My husband's like, what are you going to do with that stuff? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to have a sidewalk sale, I think. Facebook Marketplace, man. Like, so <laughs> there's a big market in the, you know, put that stuff on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. You know, if you can convince people it didn't fall off the back of a truck, you can ask a little bit more. But I can't wait. I'm going to go down Thursday or Friday and go pick it up. I have to, I have to rent a trailer because I don't think I'll be able to fit it all in the truck. But, uh. It's going to be fun. I love, there's, I, I've got something inside of me that loves when people bring in big collections to be able to open up the boxes. It feels like Christmas to me. And this is like a giant Christmas with yep. a bow on it that I, who knows what's in this thing. He says it's everything in the, 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 the storage locker, except for the shopping carts. <laughs> <laughs> so they, so they price those shopping carts at 40 bucks each then. I guess so. I mean, it's probably fair, right? Yeah, I, w I would buy a Toys R Us shopping cart for 40 bucks. Mm -hmm. You can't I, buy a new shopping cart for less than 200 No. Because no, I was thinking, no. like, my own sticker and putting it over the Toys R Us. But then I was like, probably, you know, over time, because I just, I have a breezeway, you know, the mark the breezeway. Yeah. And I just thought, I, I, I really did say that over time, I'm pretty sure people would just steal them. But <laughs> so this just saves me from being upset over my stolen shopping carts. Yeah, you would probably, unfortunately, have to find an area to put those inside. I mean, uh, some people might would use shopping carts in your store, but uh, they just might take up too much space. And if you left them outside, yeah, they're gone. <laughs> I don't think I think they'd be gone. But that would be cool, though. Um, well, good luck. You have to let us know what's in it. Absolutely. Once, once you, I'll take a bunch. Yeah. Um, Randy, what about you? What have you been up to? Uh, nothing. No, I've my life has not been as exciting as Jen's and Kyle's. You know that mine's been just a dull freaking work every day, and uh, except for a little bit of frustration at work. Um, you know, at work, I one of the things I do is we we send out bids for new projects, and um, we had a bid due last week. Of course, the day before it was due, they postponed it. Like great, I prepared for everything, and of course, it's postponed. Same thing today. I'm getting ready to get another one going. This morning we find out it's been postponed. And I'm like, God, man, you guys just in. Uh, it gets a little frustrating. But beyond that, yeah, just, you know, just goofing off. That's it. Work and work and work and work and trying to get a new air conditioning unit. Um, uh, one thing I would advise everybody who is uh, trying to open up a store, read your lease carefully. 
Um, I thought I was signing a standard lease, which I had signed previously and everything where the landlord is responsible for any major repairs of you know pipes or air conditioning and stuff like that. I guess we learned that we are responsible for repairing and replacing. Repairing, we understand because it's maintenance and stuff, but I, I, we are also responsible for replacing our air conditioning unit. So, yeah, make sure you read your lease. Exactly. Wow. Are, I, I'm assuming you're not able to stay within that 72 to 76 degree sweet spot with no AC in the no, not necessarily, but you know, um, it's I only work what once or twice a week at the store now, so that's yeah, not really his problem. It it, it is because you know uh, I I do not want my customers and uh, employees to feel uncomfortable there, so it is technically my problem. Yeah, and but if you're not there, not a sight, out of mind. Yeah, I wish I felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do, Mark? What was your week about? Oh, oh. oh. Did we scare him away? I just asked him about himself, and he just said, nope. He's a super <laughs> secret agent man. Oh, there he is. So if you didn't want to answer the question, Mark, you could have just said so. Oh, so I, you know, I got all the settings on my phone set to ignore, and it's still, uh, and it's still interrupted uh, with the phone call. So, um... I've been also trying to keep it between 72 degrees and 76 degrees over here, but no, just school and work. Trying to keep up with all the, the streaming stuff and all the movies coming out and all the comics. Uh, uh, it's just not happening right now. So um, Father's Day was yesterday, so happy Father's Day to everyone uh, out there. Uh, was able to spend time with my dad, so that was cool. But other than that, just school and uh work <laughs> which which is all and also school is is work so um not too much going on yet i'm i'm eagerly anticipating getting back out to conventions we got comic palooza here in like less than 30 days so it'll be interesting to see what that's like but miss jen like they haven't really announced any guests at all i mean there's like eight guests when there's normally 70 so do you think that's COVID, or do you think like is that is there going to be this like feeling out process for conventions until they're ready to go all in and also it's two days instead of four days i i honestly want them to find a better balance because usually they overdo the guest list that's not comic book related i mean I, I feel like they could have a billion comic book guests and that'd be fine but when they have too many big celebrity guests and, you know, a celebrity guest needs, you know, $225 for a picture or whatever, then it, it kind of st stretches the, the pocketbook of the average family. So if you have like a mom and dad and a couple kids going and you want to get one autograph of something, then like, is there any money left for spending with the dealers? It makes it really, really hard as a dealer to be able to pay for your really expensive booth. Yeah, I think conversely, though, it's that's how they think they, they get people in there. For example, if if we're in your comic book store and someone says who's going to be there and you say uh, Ryan Stegman and Donnie Cates, people are going to be like, ah, yeah. but, if I, but, if, but if I say that at work, they're going to be like this. But if Ryan Stegman and Donnie Cates are sucking all the money out of the room so that Jen's store can't actually make any money. That's a problem. And that's something I, I feel that the convention organizers are forgetting about. The comic book conventions were about dealers and uh, comic book uh, customers getting together and you know, make, trying to get everything together and dealers making deals with others. Uh, and the other thing they're forgetting is a lot of us uh, comic book collectors don't really have that much disposable income. You know, we're not rich guys that can afford $500 signatures from movie stars and stuff uh, that that's not and if if we're going to if you're going to get that we're going to not get anything else that's it we're just there to get uh, you know Donnie Cates's $50 signature and that's all I can afford and that's all I'm going to get this right. is and I it's it's they also overestimate i think on some level who their bread and butter is mm -hmm. yes um which is to say if you're 
there's a con, and I could give you the name of it, and I wouldn't mind saying it, um, that made this mistake terribly a couple of years ago when I was there, and I was with some artist friends, and Sunday we just, it was noon, and we packed up and left because they had booked so many high-dollar celebrities that the only people who came to the convention were the celebrity autograph hunters. ECC? No. Um, so this is what I think. Uh, if done yet, and if they did, I think it would be super successful. If any convention actually spent any time advertising the booths that are going to be there and what they're going to be carrying to get people excited. They would sell just as many tickets based on the, oh, there's going to be a rare poster guy. I love posters. I'm going to go and get a poster for my dad who loves posters. Or if I knew there was going to be, you know. In the current market, somebody's going to have Pokemon. Yes. Yes. That's what will get people in the door is to spend the money to come and buy a ticket. If they know there's going to be three Pokemon booths, or, you know, a dealer that's going to have a bunch of rare Magic the Gathering, or there's going to be 20, you know, Silver Age comic book booths. That makes it worth someone's while to come and shop in one space. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, I couldn't care less about meeting a celebrity. I really couldn't. Uh, you know, I was going to make a joke that by this time next week, I'll visit 15 comic book stores and met Lou Ferrigno twice. And... <laughs> the reality of that is, is I was excited to meet Lou Ferrigno, but he's charging hundred dollars for his autograph. I don't care about Lou Ferrigno enough to spend twenty dollars on his autograph, let alone a hundred. Mm-hmm. And nothing you against know. Lou Ferrigno, though. Yeah. No, nothing against Lou Ferrigno, but like, why? Um, you know what I mean? Like, I don't. It's it's. I wouldn't spend the money on Jason David Frank. I'm not going to spend the money on Lou Ferrigno. You know, you might ha- you, you reincarnate you reincarnate Stan Lee. Maybe we'll talk. But, you know, it's the the big thing that I've noticed, and this is, I saw it happen at Motor City Comic Con a couple years ago. Sunday, everybody's making money. All the comic book vendors are making money. All the artists are doing good. And David Tennant shows up. He was only there on Sunday, and he was running late. He gets there, and it's like the air came out of the room. Because everybody went to go see David Tennant. And now all of a sudden you've got artists who are there just trying to make their living who are losing money because they're sitting there. So it's, you know, when we talk about, you know, we spend a lot of time on here talking about box office numbers and talking about movies and streaming and stuff. And that's all relevant because it's part of the zeitgeist. But if conventions focus on it, they're they're really doing a disservice to everyone because they're not they're not treating their vendors well enough to convince the vendors to go back they're not treating their guests well enough to convince them to want to come back the next year because they're gouging them for celebrity prices and then your convention stops working so and then they end up becoming a, a entertainment convention instead of being a combo convention. You know, San Diego's entertainment convention is no longer a combo convention, at least in my eyes. Um, it's true. Same thing with I guess New York. I've, I've never been in New York, but it's starting to mimic uh, San Diego. New York. The the advantage New York has is the sheer size of the artist alley. Yeah, it's huge and it's wonderful. It's, well, it does have a lot of that entertainment convention stuff going on. The artist alley is so big that it maintains its. You can go for both. You know, I can go to meet artists and buy comics, and I don't even have to know that celebrities are there unless I run into them in the bathroom. Heck, I still wouldn't know who the heck they are. <laughs> it's, it's true. With, with the artist alley at New York Comic Con, this was in 2019 anyway. It. It was about 10 times too small. Like, with the, the amount of people, like, I was in Jen Bartel's line and I just couldn't do it because it was going 10 rows deep. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't, it's like the, they don't know. I know they know who's popular because they booked them, but then it's like logistically, they don't place them where they should be placed. You got, you got people like, 
in the in the middle where they got a hundred people and they just like the back of the room and it's like I don't understand why some of these artists don't get their separate rooms or they're on the side where you can like make the line accordingly but it, it, I don't know who does those maps and I know well, it's a lot of work to put together a convention obviously and I know there's cancellations and stuff you can't plan on but it's like if you're planning a wedding reception you know what which of your relatives not to put at the same table because you don't want to fight to break out on your special day right so if someone's planning a comic convention don't they know like which of the artists are going to have a hundred people at all times i i, I don't, I don't know think if you guys have insight to that but it's just like the the positioning of those rooms is a leaves a lot to be desired most of the time yeah, I don't think the people who are actually doing this, the the table assignment and everything, I don't think they know who some of these people are. They might just be volunteers working just to, or even you know, low paid uh, employees that are just. So putting... I can I can speak to Read Pop shows. Okay. So New York, Emerald City, C two E two. The person who does Artist Alley knows, but they don't know what they don't know is what that artist is going to do. Mm. Right. So one of the great examples is Greg Capullo. Greg Capullo will sign one thing. You come to him with two books, he'll only sign one. And so Greg Capullo's line can run 10, 15 rows deep, but it moves at a pretty steady clip. Whereas uh, when I met Gail Simone, she would sign as many things as you liked. So you'd have guys with stacks of books this tall. There you go. And she'd sign them all. And so her 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 list goes really her her line goes really slowly. So it's it's you know, they don't know what the artist or creator is gonna do in terms of their business. And it's not the business of the convention to dictate that in Artist Alley. So, you know, as frustrating as that can be. There are hundreds of artists in Artist Alley who are skilled and gifted artists who aren't getting a second look from most people because all they want to do is get the autograph from that one big creator and they don't care. So, you know, it's... I have no sympathy for the people who wait in line for hours or who can't get the autograph from that one great big creator because they're unwilling to wait in line. If, you, if, if that's the, what's going to make your whole convention, maybe reconsider why you're going. Um, and correct, but, me, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Kyle, but the artists have to pay for the artist alley tables, right? Many, many, many of them do. Um, now, you get to a certain level, like the two names I just mentioned. I don't think they're paying for their artist alley tables. Right. Uh, you know, but 90, I would say 95, 95 to 98% do. Mm-hmm. But my so, argument was not my argument was not the weight. It's the positioning of the line. So I want you to be able to go to the unknown artists and the artists that need your attention more. But you can't if they have big artists, uh, three unknowns, big artists, three unknowns, big artists, three unknowns. Like when when Dallas was up and running full force before they sold to Fan Expo, they had a perfect system for that like a, a whole wall and the lines could go back as far and it didn't matter and then the rest of artist alley was to the left but and then how could, many people are going to get in those lines and are never venturing into artist alley well that i don't know but i would i would assume See, a lot of them that's why you have to mix the big names in well <laughs> we're, yeah but we're not talking about i'm not talking about david Tennant. i'm talking about Ryan Stegman. No, and I'm talking about I'm Ryan. talking about Ryan Stegman. I'm talking about you Nick know, Spencer having to be mixed in with everybody else because otherwise people will just go to them and then they'll bugger off. They're not going to go into Artist Alley and discover somebody they've never heard of before. Well, not. I don't know. I feel like they're more likely to walk around if it's comfortable to walk around <laughs> if there's space, but that's me. And I feel like they're more likely if, again, if there's not a reason to go down an aisle, they're not going to go down that aisle. So right, okay. I mean, I, I can I can see it. I like ways. what they do at Chicago, uh, particularly is 
So if Ryan Stegman was the fourth booth in, they'll cue his line at the end of the row, and they'll they'll let three people come up and get in line for his table, and then they'll hold the rest, and then the next three can come. You know, they do a really good job of that in Chicago, um, and that has I think that has something to do with fire code, but also you know it's Reed knows what they're doing. Um, Mm-hmm. So I, I like that kind of setup. I think it's a good way to get people into the rows, um, even if it's a little congested. It's going to take me time to get back up to speed to want to jump into a congested row, but you know it might probably looks like it's going to be happening faster than not at this and, point. So. Yeah, and there's there's not an, a creator out there whose autograph I desired that much where I would want to get into a line and stand for you know six seven hours. So yeah, I, I, I'm there with you, Mark. Yeah, I I don't know. I just with the just playing devil's advocate real quick with the tenant example. Um, and I'm sure someone's run the math or done the statistics, but since I'm taking a, a statistics course right now, it'd be interesting to know if. David Tennant had not been there on Sunday, would all of those people ran out of the dealer's room because like would they have even been there? Because I'm thinking if if everyone was like, Whoa, David Tennant, that's because they, they were had, there waiting for that I moment. I think had David Tennant been on time, yeah, it would have been a different demon. Oh, okay. I think had but, he been there two days, it would have been a different demon. But he was literally only there Sunday and he was four hours late. Okay. You know, so it's but again, you know, I use everybody's seen it happen, you know, where you're at a convention where Stan Lee is and Stan gets to his table and it's a ghost town. You're at a small convention and the cosplay contest happens and it's a ghost town. Um, you know, it's conventions need to spend more time, especially post pandemic, thinking about the way they program for the whole. Yeah. Because now that now that everyone and their brother has had to figure out how to not need conve- how to survive without conventions, right? How to sell online, how to do everything else, it's going to be a lot easier for somebody to go. Well, this three day convention was a ghost town on Friday and Sunday. Saturday was my only day. I'm just not going to do it. And all of a sudden, you don't have vendors, which is how conventions make their money you know they don't make their money on the celebrities they lose money on the celebrities they make their money on selling booth booth space to schmucks like us and if and if enough schmucks like us say we're not going to set up because you're not building a convention that's conducive to me turning a profit then i don't need to come back i can be online i can be at a farmer's market where i paid six bucks for my booth you know, I made six hundred, as opposed to here where I spent a thousand to make twelve hundred. You know, it, that's a thousand. It's for the, a thousand just for the booth, and then you got to pay for the hotels, you got to pay for the ride, you got to pay for your lunch, your staff's lunch, your you know their time and everything. So you end up losing money already. The booth is the cheapest part of vending in a convention. But, like, so this is my year, right, looking at conventions, is that I'm not a traditional retailer anymore. I don't have a brick-and-mortar store. Mm-hmm. I'm online only at best. And right now, I'm not even that. I'm storage facility of comic books. You know, so it's, what do I, you know, how do I make money on a table at a convention? Well, the convention has to bring in comic book buyers. And if they bring in celebrity hunters, then there's no money there for me, and I won't go back. I, I think, uh, I mean, I know there's a fine line between all this, but it, it almost sounds like if they had just a comic convention and charged 10 bucks a head instead of 50 that would be the way to go for you guys anyway. I was just trying to tell you that, like, if I'm at work and I mention comic book creators' names all day, no one's perking their ears up. You have to name like the biggest. You have to, you know, say like Jeremy Renner or something for people to go. So I think. Well, but are the people are the people who you work with, Mark, going to come to the convention and spend a dime with us anyway? Yes, if you get them in the door. But that see, that's the tricky part, though. I doubt they will. 
Correct. If they're there for the celebrity, they're there for the celebrity. Yeah, if they don't know who comic book creators are, they're not going to spend a dime with us anyway. And, and I think, but they're they're going to buy toys and comics. You don't have to know who the creators are to buy like Legos and stuffed animals. No, not necessarily. We've already seen that from the effects of MCU versus uh, true comic book stories. You know, a lot of people know who the Avengers are, but they don't know who the Avengers are. You know, they know they know Iron Man being uh, Robert Downey Jr. But they don't know the whole story behind Iron Man. They don't know, you know, origin and stuff like that. And they don't care. They just like what they see on the TV, and that's who they want to meet. Right. And then they come to your booth going, well, do you have any of that guy? Because I want to get his stuff autographed. Yep. And if you don't, they walk away. Correct. Yeah. All they want you to do is facilitate them meeting meeting a celebrity. And if that's the only way, if you're counting on that to make money at a convention, you're going to lose money. Yep. And uh, so, Miss Jen, I had an idea. Uh, I, I wondered, any convention that you've ever been a part of that you were going to have a table at, have they ever asked you to submit like a minute or minute and a half uh, vendor profile that they can then upload and feature you as like a vendor of the day type thing because that would that would be the way to go right that... yeah, most i've ever been asked for is my web address correct oh. well i i mean I, I think i think with instagram especially they should do that a 90 minute and uh, sorry 90 second video profile and then if you had time you could even say what you're going to be featuring at your booth at the show but if not if you just submitted like a 60 second space cadets commercial i think that's enough for people to be able to retain because like like i said there's 30 days till comic palooza there's gonna be you know who knows how many vendors i know it's smaller than normal but just do one a day and then just some someone so just, but let's 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 extrapolate this idea a little bit mark okay. you're a convention that's already lost a year yeah of profitability You've got to pay guarantees for certain celebrities and creators to show up. Your vendor hall size is down, and you're going to pay somebody to aggregate this information from your vendors and then post it to social media? That's just cutting into your existing profit, whereas what you can do when you ask a vendor to register is say, include your web address and just list them on the website with no other information, which is cheaper. Well, um, no, we, we, no, we know it's cheaper, but but right. you guys which are you more likely to do? Are you going to protect your profits, or are you going to do that? You can you can also ask the vendor when they're filling out their application. It could be an online Google form and say, "Hey, uh, what what kind of product are you going to be carrying? What is it you're going to sell?" You can list automatically list that. You know, there and are most most shows that I register for do that, but never once do they mention it anywhere or do any kind of promotion. Most often, what I see is one of our vendors will be. Kyle's store, and here's his logo. Thanks for joining us, and here's our sponsors. But how how hard is it for them to just say, hey, this is one of our vendors, Kyle's, uh, and then they put Kyle's logo on there, and they put right underneath, this is what he's looking to sell. Or, this not is hard, but certainly harder than not doing that. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to make that. it better for the vendors here, guys. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I understand, but there's a level of there's a level of making it better, and then there's a level of actuality like i would really love for the knights hall shows where i spend a hundred bucks for a table and can make five or six hundred bucks in a day just selling comic books to book a celebrity once in a while to get some new people through the door but i'm also not willing to pay more than a hundred dollars a table mm -hmm. right i know yeah so you know it's i don't expect anything more than the minimum but I also expect you to keep your booth prices at the lowest you can. You know, so if it's if it costs one of the great one of the great shows that I, I recommend is a show called Monroe Pop Fest. Um, it's usually my best show by percentage of the year. Because um, booths are a ten by ten is 150 bucks, somewhere in that range. I can't tell you the last time I only bought a ten by ten, so I don't actually remember. But I can buy four booths that cost me $500 and I'll turn five or six grand in one day. But what that guy does is he brings in a bunch of Power Rangers you've never heard of, but they're still Power Rangers. 
and maybe a couple of washed up professional wrestlers. You know that their their guarantees five hundred bucks plus a hotel room and dinner. You know, and then he'll bring in, um, maybe one horror icon. You know, um, then what he does to bring really bring people in is like last year he had or this year he has James O'Barr, creator of the Crow. And he'll get as many of the guys who worked on that first appearance of the crow together, and that's his draw. Mm-hmm. And it keeps the booth price really low. He makes good money. They turn a ton of tickets, and there's enough money left in the room for everybody because tickets are only 10 bucks. And everybody makes money. Everybody walks out of there happy. And that's the way you have to do it, I think, is you've got to Conventions need to worry less about bringing in Chris Evans and more about bringing in. I was going to make a Bob Evans joke, but that <laughs> went over poorly earlier. Um, <laughs> Just give her what sausage at the door. What? <laughs> I show up. It depends. So what like, time. You, 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 you get your choice. When you come to the door, two sausage links or two, two strips of bacon. And I'm going to buy four tickets just so I can get enough sausage and bacon. So we we know how to get Kyle into a convention. Basically, offer sausage and bacon for entry. <laughs> but no, it's like I said. It's you. You've got to find that line, and I think regionally it matters too. And you, you're absolutely right. But I have a feeling every single convention is trying to do San Diego. They're all trying to be San Diego. They all think they can be San Diego. Uh, yeah, they they believe they need the big celebrities to get people in, which they don't. At least we don't think they do. No, the Knights Hall shows that I do sometimes, they will get three or 400 people through the door for 10, 10 vendors. But every one of those vendors, man, they're bringing their stuff. Yep. It's, I, if I set up my silver and bronze versus these guys' silver and bronze, I'm the flea market guy. And I've got <laughs> good stuff. You know, some of these guys are guys who only do these shows and they only deal high end. And it's really interesting to watch the people who show up because they know that they can grab that giant size X-Men number one without having to deal with the masses Mm -hmm. that are going to show up so that they can meet freaking Jeremy Renner or somebody. Which also drives that the price of that book up because you have people coming in with more money that, don't know the market price, but they just know it's hot, so they're going to overpay for it. No, I think so. In in the situation of a big show, I think so. I, I, I the, again, the people who are there for the celebrities, they don't care for it. They're no, you tell somebody one. a book's three grand, they're going to walk away. Yeah, they're like it's a piece of paper. Right. You you go to a real comic book show with comic book people, and you tell them, oh, this GSX is three grand. They're going to go through it with a fine tooth comb and determine whether or not it's worth three grand or twenty eight hundred, and then you're going to get your money. Yep. Mm-hmm. Truth. Yep. It's yeah. it's a it's a really easy trap to fall into believing that celebrities generate revenue because they don't. No, they they take away revenue. They they're taking away more money than they're actually bringing into the shows. They're they're making money for the the convention hosts. They're definitely making them money. Uh, they're making themselves money. They're making the big publishers money because the big publishers can do exclusives they can offer at the conventions, uh, tie it in with the celebrities that are there. They can definitely do that. Uh, but the vendors that are there, the ones that you know uh, are spending thousands of dollars that basically started the conventions, they're not making that much money anymore. C2E2, when I priced it last, was a whole month's rent for a 10 by 10 booth for three days. For me. And, and is that worth it for you, though? Absolutely not. There's no way you can make enough money by the time you pay for hotel, pay for travel, pay for food, pay for the booth. There's no way you can make enough money to justify that. Yeah, in, in fact, there was a local convention we used to do. Um, we didn't make much money off of them, but what we were, and we didn't go there to make money. We went there to promote because they were local to us. Right. And that's, you know, that's something we can't do with the other, the big, cons where we can't promote ourselves either 
So we are. If I if we get a boot that big cause, it would be because we we're going there to make money, not to right. <laughs> right. It's I could I would be willing to break even at a local show. Correct. You know, a show in my backyard where I can sleep in my own bed. Yep. If I hand out two thousand flyers for my store. Yep. Break even or even lose a little bit of money um, because you know it is advertising for you. Right. That's not how it goes if you got to go to Chicago or you got to go to San Diego or New York or wherever. It just So, Mark, I know we had a lot of other stuff to talk about, and so far it's been... Oh, and we've been at like, this an hour. I, I, like, I, I, you know, I forget that you guys are on the other side of this, right? So I can only give you my opinion as someone who buys stuff and likes autographs. So, but, I, no, I appreciate all, all the insight. I think... Though, as a group, we can decide what Kyle should do is buy an extra table at a local show and then just serve bacon and eggs. I feel like that's... Okay, so I'm going to... I've been on this soapbox now on this thing. Do you want to know the times I've made the most money at conventions? Is when I've bought an extra table and brought in my own celebrity. There you go. <laughs> was it Bob? I uh, what is your own celebrity? Bob Evans. Like so, I did a convention uh, in 2019 where I bought an extra table and had Ming at my booth, Ming Chen from Comic Book Men. Um, I had uh, another convention where I brought in uh, a buddy of mine who's an independent wrestler. Uh, because it was a wrestling and comic book show. Now, he wasn't booked on the card, but here's this independent wrestler at my booth, you know, and he's selling his T-shirts or whatever. Like, and so okay. having, and I think having a low enough level celebrity, Ming is not a low level celebrity, but having a low enough level celebrity that the cost of bringing them in does not weigh the cost of the table. And that was like, Ming was like, dude, fly me in and buy me a case of Verner's and we're good. Nice. You know, because it was in his hometown. It's like he stayed at his parents' house. He borrowed their car to drive to the convention. His mommy dropped him off at the convention. Like, well, Was Greg supposed to be one of your uh, celebrity guests when he got into that accident? <laughs> now, Mark, but, you know the problem? Let's see if I can book Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> you know the biggest problem with Kyle serving bacon and eggs is he'd be eating his own profits. Yeah. <laughs> I did just buy a shirt that says "Give me all the bacon and eggs you have." <laughs> it's got Ron Swanson's face on it. It's actually my Facebook profile picture. <laughs> so, uh, since we got about seven minutes left. Let's just do you guys a favor and go to comics. Let me tell you about the comic that I teased being excited about. Uh, so I just watched Sweet Tooth. I'm a big Jeff Lemire fan. I hear about this movie, Maze Book. Have you guys heard about this? And tell me about it. Or if not, I can tell you about it. It's fine. <laughs> I think you may want to tell us about it. Yeah. Oh, no, it's a, it's a book I found out he's working on in September. And it sounds like this, you know, Jeff Lemire writes and draws his own books this is going to be a five issue limited series and it's about a father of a girl who has recently passed away who is infatuated with puzzles and so it's like this almost like a channeling labyrinth uh and he's basically going on this quest to uh you know he starts talking to her and says she's trapped in the labyrinth and so he goes on this quest uh, to find his daughter. And so, in typical Jeff Lemire fashion, it sounds whimsical and weird, so I'm all about it. And I'm sure if it's good, or if it's not, it's going to be options, because it's Jeff Lemire. So, that's May's book by Jeff Lemire, and I believe the first issue drops in uh, September. So, that's that's it for me for comic news, since I don't normally bring anything to the table in this section. I brought you that, so... Uh, but Miss Jen, take it over from here. Comics this week. Um, I also would be not as super helpful as usual, but I do know that MFKZ number one is coming out, which is based on a, a Netflix series 
that started out its life as a French, like almost manga, I think. Um, and I know about it because uh, Rotatelli, who just had a big hit, completely sold out uh, uh, Freak Snow like two weeks ago. Uh, he's the, the creator that's involved in the behemoth release of this book. And it's already pre-sold out. They already sold 40,000 copies of it to retailers. And I'm sure it's going to be a high demand book because it looks awesome. So I guess you can go watch it on Netflix and get inspired for it, reading on Wednesday. It, it isn't kid, uh, kids friendly, but it is a good. It was a good series. Um, yeah, yeah I, I I watched it all in one sitting. Seating, if I remember correctly, maybe two seatings. Yeah, it's a good mm -hmm. show. Good luck by Boom comes out this week as well. Good luck, number one. Nice. Uh, Garth Ennis and Liam Sharp, Batman Reptilian. I heard good things about that. Like, it was really, really good from people who pre-read it. What, what strikes fear into the hearts of those who terrorize Gotham? It used to be Batman, but something far more frightening than a mere man stalks the shadows, and it's after Gotham's villains. How savage must a monster be to haunt the dreams of monsters? All right, Garth Ennis. <laughs> you do you, man. You do you. <laughs> um, you know, what's interesting is, um, at least in my poll, there's a lot of uh, second, third, fourth prints coming out this week. So which means uh, either we're under ordering books or there are just uh, books where I, you know, we're getting more readers in. I'm leaning more towards us under ordering, but that's a different story too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you Promised Me Darkness, number three is this week. Wonder Woman Black and Gold, number one. And we cannot forget Spawn Universe, number one, comes out this week. Yes. Uh, Spawn, that's going to be a big went, book. I went deep. Um, now, what is, now what, is Spawn, what is Spawn Universe? Is that expanding on something? or? It's Think of launch of their new line so there's four new books coming out in the Spawn universe and this is the lead into all of it okay right and so there's the one so in the Spawn universe there's the one that he wrote with John Leguizamo which is the Destroyer book uh, there's one that he's doing with from Game of Thrones uh, and I can't remember who it is or what the book is. Um, is it Gunslinger? Is that the one he did? I don't remember. It's uh, it's one of the girls from Game of Thrones. Okay. Co-wrote it with him. And it's part of the Spawn universe. Um, and then there's a couple more I can't think of. And it's going to make me angry. Because it'll come to me in like 15 minutes driving home. What is a brand new team book? They've never had this team before. At one point, I knew what they all were. I do not any longer. Um, Marvel Voices, number one, which is Marvel's Pride book. Vinyl, um, number one. Yeah, vinyl, number one. Just as a, as a little hint, um, in the DC Pride book, Steve Orlando introduced a new character. Hmm. He is also introducing a new character in the Marvel Pride book. Ooh. Interesting. Uh, that... I think that I, I I didn't ask him this, but the way he made it sound when I talked to him is like, that was the deal. He's like, look, I'll do these pride books, but I'm going to do whatever I want, including but not limited to introducing new characters. And both companies were like, okay. Um, so. So now who wants to speculate on the speculators? Uh, Marvel pride book versus DC pride book. Higher value goes to Marvel. I don't know. I, I DC really... Pride book had some really high, some variants that went really, got really hot. Yeah. That Bartell. Yeah. Modern Frankenstein number three, which is a book that it isn't breaking any new ground, but has been super fun, and it's the end of the run on that. Uh. New Turtles book again. You know, Turtles are still... They're getting hotter than they used to be. 
Yep. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant. Oh. That's the record. I gotta go when I go to the record store. That's what I gotta get. I need to get the original turtle soundtrack. Wait, are we talking uh, series or or movie film? No, yes. No. <laughs> I have to own them all. All of it. Okay. Including the Vanilla Ice record. Oh boy. I know yeah. who I am. Um, something is killing a children. Number seventeen comes out as well. That's you know that continues the story for number sixteen, her origin, I believe. Are they also releasing the seventeenth printing of issue one? Yeah, if they do, I'll be like printing money for themselves. So <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm just shocked at seeing how much all these like six, seventh, eighth printings of issue number one are been going for. It's ridiculous. Hey, Brady, Brady, we should do a, a you know just an us print of number one. Well, no, we can. Let's talk to let's talk to Morgan. I'm down with it. Yeah. And you know what you should use so you don't have to get cover art. Do what? White cover, black text, something is killing the children. Oh, yeah. I think they already have the blank variant for that. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Like, it's not actually a blank variant. It's just a white cover with black text. Isn't and you can call it the we're out of ideas variant. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is going on with that book? Is it just that people have finally figured out it got optioned a year ago? Or, like, what's what's the no, deal? No, it's that good. Right. It, it, yeah. But in stock. I mean, I think I've got a total of like, I think I've got issue 12, 15, and 16 on the rack, and that's it. And hardly any of them. That's all I have in the entire store. That's it. And uh, the issue came out, what, two years ago, three years ago, I believe, series came out. And it, it was during the time where people were still trying to figure out where comic books are going. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, and it was also competing with other titles. So a lot of retailers didn't order as much. It, it was one of the first books that Boom, well, and, you know, Boom has been doing great with the returnability. So, but, the, you know, it was one of those books which uh, was a much bigger hit than everybody expected. I think it was with 30,000 copies ordered originally, if I remember correctly. And it wasn't a hit until I believe number two and three came out. Uh, and by that time, a lot of retailers had already destroyed a lot of the copies as well. So, yeah, no, I, I picked up number one. I think part of it too is that it is. A truly new storyline, a truly new type of story. Like, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine that you don't see from the top five publishers, with the exception of obviously Image, truly 100% new story ideas. There are, oh, there most of the time, they're unique and interesting takes on stories you've heard before. Um, you know, uh, it's, oh, this is just Romeo and Juliet in space with guns or, you know, mm -hmm. there's one exception, nice house in the lake. That is, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Very seldom do you see those things. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's James Tinian just going, Hey, I've got so much sway. I can do it. You know, um, who's writing nice house on the lake. Tinian. Yeah. And he's doing something is killing, which is hot. Department right. of Truth, which is hot. Uh, so you know, um, I guess he's a hot. He's the next Cates right now. Yep, I think he's bigger than Cates right now. Cates uh, is losing his. Uh, well, I think he's reached. He's reached his peak right now. So. Yeah, that's. I think it's. I think Tinian's got a higher, a higher peak. Um, could be. But yeah, it's it's very seldom do you see new, truly unique storytelling, and that's what something that's going the children is. It's what Last House on the Lake is. It's what Department of Truth was. Image has a lot of it. The small press publishers have a lot of it, but your top five just generally don't. And so when one lands there, it goes like gangbusters. Well, top two, they're they're stuck within their universe and within their characters. There's there's not very much Marvel and DC can do. Um, unless if they go back and start new imprints again, but uh, they, they can't do very much. So we got to we got to keep them out of uh, the contention there. Dark Horse, you're right. They're they're primarily about properties uh, that already have a name. And yeah, you're right. They're not coming out with that much new stuff. Image is all. Im- image is the one that always takes the risks. And boom is right. Crazy. Exactly. Image is the one. 
Right. You know, IDW has so many licensed properties and things that it's, you know, they're pretty stuck in that vein in a lot of ways. And then you come around to Boom, which is the fifth biggest or whatever, and you've got something that's killing the children. Yep. So. Well, more power to them. I, I, was, I was mostly saying, like, why would people be paying, like, 50 bucks for a seventh print when they could buy all three trades for 12 bucks each? But, again, different perspectives. So. Well, that, that's that's more of a speculator market that we yeah that's know. a that's a whole other hour and a half mark yeah <laughs> i know you, well, you start you start counting copies as well at that at the point of uh seventh printing a lot of stores aren't ordering that many copies of seventh printing uh, uh yeah i understand i i mean there's there i remember there's some like batman jim lee variants where the second printing is worth more because there was less copies of it circulating around and yes. batman I, 608 is a great example it, I, I get that, but at some point, even someone who collects everything is like, okay, eighth printing's overkill. <laughs> but, um, but that book is, you know, that book is good enough for demanding that. Um, but I, I just don't want to be a director's cut or something, you know, something else. By there by is, this. I mean, it's on what third trade paperback already. Yeah, so, I, I agree with you. You know, you don't, you don't really need it, right? The completists always want everything. And in fact, I have every single right. every single version as well. I, I agree with you there. I'm like, I, I don't need another one. I have right. it. Come up with a knife, you know? All right. Well, uh, th thanks, guys. Uh, thank you, Kyle, uh, Jen, and Brainy for being with me for this last hour and X amount of minutes. Uh, and thank you for watching Nerd News Now, part of the Kingdom of Geekdom on Woodlands Online. Sponsored by the Adventure Begins Comics and Games and Space Cadets Collection Collection. Check out their other shows on Woodlands Online, like Music Cafe, The Adventure Begins Show, Woodlands House and Home, The Best You, Between the Trees, Business Talk, and more. You can watch all those on Woodlands Online and on our partner station, KBQT HD21, over the air on your television. All these shows are more on Roku. Just add Woodlands Online to your TV streaming lineup. And you can listen to the podcast version of the show on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll see you next week on Nerd News Now.